in my in my homeland of Great Britain, right? Uh, something you may not know. I'm known locally in Great Britain as uh, someone who is fiercely masculine and intimidating, right? I get that vibe. It really, I re- it kind of I know. comes off of you. I know, you right? feel it through the Zoom. In all of the counties of Britain, uh, I am known... My kind of, the, the girth of my upper arms is known to be very intimidating and my skills <laughs> at kind of hewing metal from the land and woodworking... <laughs> I'm just commonly known as a very masculine guy, right? Yeah, totally. Um, I see it. Ask anyone. But uh, I that's... might. That's going to be our next Twitter poll, actually. <laughs> that said, right? That said, that said. Um, I think we've just approached, or we've just gone past, I think, the one-year anniversary of COVID. The one-year... Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. Like that's... when the first cases showed yes, up. Yes, uh, you know, yeah, that's sobering as fuck. And we're a couple of months away from the one-year anniversary of it, of it making its way, you know, becoming an actual problem when we could, you know, when we became aware of it. Uh, so, despite all of my masculinity and my ferocious kind of fearlessness, I am not shy about saying that I'm starting to miss my family, right? I'm starting to miss my mother mm. in particular. It occurred to me earlier on today that it's I haven't seen my mum this fucking year, right? Um That's uh, bananas all year. Now I think of it, we did kind of do a, a kind of a pop in kind of trip in April, maybe where we sat in the fucking garden. Like fucking idiots. But I haven't <laughs> seen seen properly sat down and, and you know had a meal or, or, or shared some actual meaningful quote unquote air quotes meaningful time with my mother in a fucking sure. year, and it's getting to me. I mean... Yeah. Uh, That's I, actually very sweet, Mark. That's probably the sweetest thing you've ever said on this show. Well, don't in, read anything into it. Don't read any sweetness into that, because <laughs> if you could hear some of the other stuff I say about my mother, that might offset it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it got me... And if this feels like a clunky segue, I apologise, but this is genuinely the way my mind works. There are no kind of smooth transitions between thoughts. That immediately led me to go, but oh, so is the is the genre momcore maybe? What are some of the best? What oh are some gosh. of the best? It's been so long since we've is... had a new core, Mark. What was the last one? Jane Core, possibly in Pride and Prejudice? I think Jane Core might have been our last core. Chuck it on the pile next to Boat Core, Jane Core. Yeah. Uh, Although someone on Twitter did come up with another good core lately. Plain Core, I think, might have been it. Oh, yeah, Plain yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. Right, that's so, an episode. That's, that's... Yep. Couple of weeks, couple of weeks we'll talk plain core. Um Momcore then, what are your thoughts? Momcore. Momcore. I like it. Let's draw up some rules uh to qualify. I was as gonna m- say, yeah, give me give me some parameters here for what that means. Okay, off the top of my head, not just a piece with a strong patriarch. Matriarch, I'm sorry, because that would be popcore. That would be dadcore. Yep. <laughs> uh, not just a movie with a strong matriarch the matriarchal figure has to be a part of the horror the horror has to come right. from mum yeah absolutely I there mean that's go. like a huge genre of things actually I yeah. like there's a lot of even scholarship on, on this stuff because you know I was once a scholar of mm. film <laughs> uh, and like there's a lot of stuff written about mom's and like the the horrors of motherhood, whether you're talking about it like like it being like a pregnancy body horror type yeah. thing, yeah. or like you have like moms who are overbearing and monstrous in some way. Like mm. there's actually a lot of stuff that has to do with moms. 
Now I think of it, yeah, there's there's an absolute shitload. I mean, obviously the first the first ones that come to mind, uh, Psycho, I suppose, would be the very first. Ooh, uh, interesting. For me, at least, the, the first touch point of Mumcore. Um, so it doesn't it, even if the mom wasn't really the mom per se. It's still a. It's still. Probably, yeah, I the, mean, it's, the theme. Especially if you add the yeah, okay. I mean, what's your what's your exposure to to the Psycho? franchise have you got any 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 uh, favorite bits of it oh i mean i love psycho i've mm. seen it a bajillion times i tell you a weird fun fact about it this has nothing to do with anything except uh just a weird fun fact mm. you know my favorite actor is james badge dale yes who I'm i do absolutely know that. obsessed with um i was googling anthony perkins one day i think just one of the many times i've watched psycho and i was you know, you just get in a Google spiral. Mm. And all of a sudden, I noticed that James Badge Dale's dad is in, like, a whole bunch of pictures with Anthony Perkins. No. They straight up dated for, like, years. No. Isn't that bonkers? And then yeah, they both married bonkers. women and had mm. children. But, like, they were... My favorite actor's dad was in a relationship with Anthony Perkins for a long time. God damn. See, you, you, do, you do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. It's what yep. I do, buddy. It is. It is um, but it is all that do. to say, the only one I've ever seen is Psycho. I actually didn't even know there were sequels until mm. like uh, maybe two or three months ago. There's so... there's way more to that franchise than you might uh, imagine. I mean, Psycho Two particularly is worthy of it. It it does that thing that I love in sequels where it takes your view of the first one and expands and twists it a little bit. It takes the world that it's built in the first one, Norman specifically, and just yeah. adds so much to it, man. The second one, uh, Anthony Perkins is brilliant in it. He makes Norman this sympathetic, very vulnerable uh, character who, long story short, he's, he's, he's out of psychiatric care and he moves back into the motel. Not a great move. But the village... The, the the town around him is trying to using kind of uh, coercion and control and deception, trying to turn Norman back into what they think he is. You know, trying to trying to awaken the kind of the the um the the schizophrenia or whatever it is he's got. Oh. And it's great. It's great. You see him kind of throughout the course of the film, just degenerate. Um, and it's genuinely it's quite heartbreaking because what he does with it is is. W worth way more. You think Psycho Two, and you think Cash Grab. Oh, now in color, right, yeah. But it's exactly. not, man. It's it's way, way, way more than that. I massively recommend it. Excellent. Okay, I will definitely check that out. Mm. Um, on the mom core vibe, it's interesting because you know the, you never like meet the actual yep. mom yep. in in Psycho, but mm -hmm. I guess it, that's part of. You could absolutely think about it that way of like the figure of the mother in and of herself and the imposingness of a matriarchal figure mm -hmm. uh and the idea especially i mean when you're looking at like the 1950s and 60s mm -hmm. of how worried people were about challenging the structures of the family and things mm -hmm. like that the idea of the overbearing mother in mm -hmm. stuff is like that's huge because that was one of the things that was going to be a problem like mom's wearing the pants mm. <laughs> and you know what does that do to your children I they go they, crazy they go into that uh in the tv show in, in bates motel yes which, right which i thoroughly enjoyed i only watched one season because as i've said many times i forget i'm watching things yeah. but i really liked that one season yeah yeah it's yeah. It, it, it does it it kind of hinges on exactly what you just talked about um yeah. The family dynamic with just 
Norman and his mum. Is the Babadook mom cord? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. Because the relationship between that child and mother is... It's the pillar of the whole film, isn't it? It is. It's absolutely its center. And, like, motherhood as a thing yeah. is is the center of what this movie is about and, the, like, the struggles with that. Yep. The Babadook is certainly momcore. Uh, Coraline is momcore. Ooh, Coraline. As it occurs to me, yes. I believe Coraline is completely momcore. Um, talk about an overbearing kind of demonstration of maternal love. I love you so much. I want you to pull out your eyes. <laughs> for me. Isn't that nice? So relatable. I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you ever get to that point with someone where you just love ah, them so much, you want to pull their pull eyeballs eyes out. out? Just so cute little buttons on them. <laughs> uh, that would be a quote for last week's episode, I believe. I'm sure, I'm sure somebody's done that. Um, <laughs> Brain Dead is the last one that occurs to me. Uh, or oh. Dead Alive, as I believe you incorrectly. Yeah, yeah it's Dead Alive it. here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Did you say incorrectly? <laughs> I may have done. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I watched it, but does, does he not end up literally going back to the womb at the end of that film? His gigantic, mutant, murdering, monkey infected mother literally drags him back into her womb. Yeah, that's a gnarly dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> that sounds like the definition of my mm. right there, uh, yeah. which I appreciate. So there's one, I think this is on Shutter. I'm not positive, from 2014 called Lyle. Uh, mm. Leah's grief over her toddler's death turns into paranoia when she begins to suspect her neighbors are part of a satanic cult. Yeah, so that's kind of a, that's kind of a fun one. You add a little, little Satan, a little mm. uh, LGBTQ action. A yeah, little yeah, bit yeah, of, yeah, 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 yeah motherhood in turmoil uh you know there's a lot i think this is an interesting thing about momcore as well because i think when you look at stuff like psycho and you look at older kinds of things that dealt with mothers mm. um there was always this sort of like very male perspective on it yeah um like even you know even when you look at something like rosemary's baby it's a, it's got a very male yeah sure perspective on all of that stuff mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's kind of a movement now towards making movies about motherhood that actually deal with like the mom's anxieties and not yes. about society's anxieties about mom. Whew. Society's anxieties. <laughs> On fire. That that's, sounds like a, that's a band name. Oh, that's an album title right there. Society's anxieties. Really is. I love it. I, love I, it. I, love it. I feel great about that. Yes. Um, but you know what I mean? That I think it used to always be that this stuff was made about people's anxieties, society's anxieties about mothers yeah. and about like what happens if you mom wrong or things like that and so you see a lot of the horror coming out of that as opposed to now when you have stuff like the Babadook and and like Lyle Mm. uh, you're looking at like what is it like to be a mom and feeling like the many tensions of motherhood uh, and trying to deal with that and operate Mm. in a world Mm. um, that has so many expectations of mothers uh, so what you're talking about, I guess, is a more authentic reflection of the experience rather than, um, uh, you know, through the, through the prism of a, a fucking, I don't know, a male-dominated society, I guess. What what are the actual right. issues, not what do I perceive the issues to be? Right, yeah, and this kind of, like, there was always just this sense, again, especially when we're looking at 50s and 60s stuff mm. more than anything, but of um, that mothers were responsible for either the success or failure of their families 
and that films represented that. Um, mm. And so you see people ruined by bad moms or, you know, things like that in stuff as opposed to now it's kind of like it's not as simple as like women being bad moms or good moms or things like that it's just like there's like a lot going on mm. and you can make some really good horror out of that i mean for me i just find everything about motherhood horrific so <laughs> like that's that's good horror to me because it's terrifying but you, you've just kind of let a light bulb uh with carrie haven't you i mean oh, for gosh. me at least i mean mm-hmm. Based on what you've just said, Carrie's mum is both her, her, I don't know, both her saviour and her condemner, I guess. She ruins Carrie's mm-hmm. life, yet, yet allows her to kind of come into her power. So she's doing both roles. I like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, Carrie is like a deeply complicated movie in that mm. sense. And it kind of, you know, there's a lot of people who have talked about the male gaze and Carrie and things like I mean you start Carrie with like a whole bunch of like girls running around naked in a mm. locker room which yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate to like ruin this for anyone but that is not what locker rooms are like we've got a whole bunch of like teenage girls who are like trying to change under towels and like not show <laughs> themselves to anyone and whatnot um and that like it always bothers me about this movie that like Carrie is like fully formed like she has like full boobs and everything and she gets her period for the first time Mm. in it it's like this doesn't make any sense like this movie is again clearly made like by men um and you know the ways in which like you look at like the gym teacher in Carrie and the way she kind of torments um the students while also like her way of dealing with Carrie and what makes her sympathetic Mm. is by taking her under her wing and trying to make her pretty Mm. Um, and you have all of these kinds of like that's looked at as good right that's that's the gym teacher being good to her Mm. uh in this movie it's not you know and then the the whole thing with the mom uh being again this like this figure of just control and torment and what happens when you know again she doesn't have so many of these don't have father figures in them Mm. actually that's that's just occurring to me and that's it family breakdown all of this stuff it's a it's not a it's not a feminist movie but certainly there's things that you can take from it that also speak to some elements of the complications of being a woman in society but it's certainly yeah it's part of that legacy of movies that dealt with moms and dealt with girls as Mm. monstrous as like women are monsters we don't understand them. They bleed everywhere and they're like, they could probably like fucking light things on fire. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pyrokinesis sets in at around 12, 13. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's true. Actually, that's actually real. Um, I think that might be my horror fetish. In fact. My favorite genre of horror movie is boats. Oh, I found a feather in my garden today. Must have been an angel. I almost punched a little kid at Kamikaze who was dressed as a zombie because it scared the shit out of me. Cory, exactly. movies are too goddamn long, right? One hour and 28 minutes is a perfect movie. This is this is it. This is for me now. I'm like, oh, this is I'm, I'm fucking in. Uh, you join us, folks, on the 12th. Oh, is this 12 or is this 13? 13. Oh 13. shit! <laughs> Didn't even realize it until you no. said it. Lucky and it was you. just, wasn't it? Oh, wait, no, Friday the 13th was like last week. Never mind. It was Ages like, ago. Wow, incredible. No. I, we would have seen that coming if we'd recorded episode 13 on a Friday the 13th weekend. Ah. <laughs> All the stops would have been pulled out 
Um, That's a good point. As, as it is, we're just going to leave some of the stops in. Fuck you. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, there will be stops. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, 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 friends and other to Jack of All Graves, episode 13. 13 weeks of anxiety and horror. 13 <laughs> weeks of the worst case scenarios being played out slowly in front of you in your ears. Uh, 13 weeks of recommendations. 13 weeks of learning and confessions and growing and bonding. True. Week 13, um, I well, it's going to be all about the anxiety, right? Because what have you been doing, Corey, while you've been, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the COVID world? How have you been mentally? How have you adjusted? Not great, Bob. It's, nope. uh, yeah, no, uh, I mean, I think we have, we're in a weird spot at this point because... It is a year into this, essentially, right? Not a year since yes. we locked down or whatever, but... But it's a year. As you it's... pointed out, it's a, it's a year. Yep. Um, you might even call it the Wuhan-iversary. <laughs> you can have that. Oh, Any my gosh. fucking tabloid hacks? One year, mate. <laughs> it's the Wuhan-iversary. One year on. All yours. Enjoy. Oh, man. Okay. Good night, everybody. It's been fun. <laughs> we're, we're done. Episode 13 turns out that was the last one. Bye, guys. <laughs> it's the last one. Wait, there, that was the final straw. That part where we flame out brilliantly. Um, but, I never no. want to fucking see you again, you motherfucker. <laughs> 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 fucking boo anniversary. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like we've been through so many like roller coasters of mm. the way that anxiety has manifested throughout yep. this whole thing. Like where... Yep. It's never been gone. It's mm. just taken many different shapes uh, over the course of the past year. And yeah, that's. I don't want to jump into this too early because you know we should intro and do a few things before we jump into it. But that is where we want to. Mm. We're going to talk is, a bit about that. My the, the the concept for this week was almost the state of the anxieties mm-hmm. twenty twenty. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to talk about mm-hmm. some of our anxieties and i know yeah. that's not if that was if that was the line on the poster you'd skip the movie i want to talk about some of our anxieties mm, i'm good <laughs> i think you know bill and ted is on just next door um right but with a year now of this fucked up funk that the world seems to be in how has that impacted our anxieties how has that impacted the reality of the things that we're anxious about um, yeah. Stuff that you tend to worry about anyway. What is a year of working where you eat and sleep and watch TV? How, how is? And I've just described, by the way, my life: working, eating, sleeping, watching TV. That's that is currently my my life. How has living in that situation for a year? Would you say it's made you more or less fixated on 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 the shortcomings of the world as you see them, Corey? Oh, absolutely more. Yeah way more <laughs> by a long shot um let's let's hold this thought for one second go for it just before we we delve into this this is this is where we're going with this episode just you know mm. uh, hunker down uh, hopefully this is going to be cathartic for, That's for people much yep. like the rapture sode was i want this i think we're going to be sort of venting our anxieties in hopes that this helps people listening yes to... that's always that's always the hope there's always the hope yeah before we do dive into that, there are a few little little things that I think we should bring up first mm. uh, that are important. F- 
for one, we have more news about um, mouse brains. So oh, yeah, we do, we do, we do, we do. Yeah, I love a callback. <laughs> I love a callback to a previous yeah. theme. This brain, really Eileen is that. so great for continuing continuously helping us out with this. I really, really appreciate that she's yep. you know Come on, listening Eileen. and she's okay. I'm sure she's never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I got away with that. I thought I just no, no, you did not. Uh, yeah. But so once again, Eileen messaged me. She says, uh, "I heard Mark's question about why brains, because last week, uh, not only did we find out that mice are members of the animal kingdom who are cannibalistic, seemingly for funsies, but that they have a penchant for brains." Mm. Um, and so she said, "I would guess it's possibly nutrient density." Brains are kind of like egg yolks with jello consistency. Lots of fat. Brains literally run on glucose, iron, and other minerals that are needed for brain function. Um, she also sent this great mental floss article uh, that's just called Five Animals That Eat Brains, <laughs> which is great. Um, but she said this mental floss article insinuates that chipmunks also eat mouse brains and leave the rest. So... You know, oh, maybe incredible. it's nutrients. Maybe there's some other attraction uh, there. Incredible. But yeah, there we go. So once again, an amazing follow-up mm. from Eileen yeah. yep. on mouse cannibalism. Do you know, I think, and again, this is me trying to piece together something from a memory of a memory that I haven't seen in a lot of years, but I can't remember sure. which one it is. Either Return of the Living Dead or Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Tara would know if she's listening to this. Okay. Okay. They that's how they explain the undead compulsion to munch on brains is that they contain oh, yeah. electro kind of yeah. That's just you said munch again. Just like it's just in this I like the word munch. It's the context in which you use it that is disturbing for me. Hmm. I've only ever heard you use munch when you're talking about cannibalism. Yeah, about aggressive eating. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's Gross. Okay. So I'll try to that. limit it. I'll try to limit it. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's good to know that there's at least a biological. It's a plausible mm, yeah, reason, reason for, for that. Thank you, Eileen. Also, mm. we have an Instagram. We do. We do, we do that I logged Instagram. into and took a look at earlier on today. Yes, and then promptly confused yourself about how technology <laughs> works. But yeah, we have an Instagram now. It is at Jack of All Graves Pod. P-O-D, as in podcast. Yeah. So still, not Jack of All Graves. I think nope. we've drilled that into you enough at this point that you know that's not us, but just it's Jack of All Graves pod. Um, and it's already been delightful. There's some fun conversations on there. There's a little um, ribbing of Mark on there uh, from various yep. listeners. Uh, it's been a good old time having that. One thing I am perfectly comfortable, one role that I'm very relaxed in is... The occasional ribby, I'm perfectly... Because it's, you know, there's nothing that you've leveled at me at this point yet, which has been less than factually accurate. So <laughs> take the piss, make me suffer, but keep it factually accurate, please. Yeah, that's standards. fair. That seems that seems totally fair. So we're having good conversations over on uh, the Jack of All Graves pod Instagram. So, mm. you know, if you're not already following us on there, please do join in, you know, I try to, to post a fair amount, and maybe I can cajole Mark into posting 
on there occasionally as well. Um, it's a, it's kind of nice because it like gives me something to do when I'm like procrastinating. So like uh. I will be in that like I was I had graded too many things the other day and my brain exploded. So then I spent like you know so we got forty five minutes to an hour like yeah for <laughs> that I spent like forty five minutes to an hour trying to figure out how to make for myself one of those images where it's like blurry in the background and then the person's in the foreground and then there was a quote on it you know and I was like oh. Okay, so that's how you do it because the apps just weren't doing what I wanted them to do. So it, it was like, oh, now I have now I have learned something today. Mm. You'll um, be an influencer in no time. Ugh. <laughs> 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 Disgusting. Take it back. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jack of All Graves Pod. Follow us on there. Um, anything else that we need to announce to people before we we start talking about what makes us anxious? Instagram is where it's all kicking off, right? So get on over there. It's yeah. gonna be good. Um, and always on Twitter as well. But uh, it, look, if if you want to catch either of us, Twitter is probably the best place to do it. It's true. Yeah, that's um, very true. I fucking love Twitter, even now, right? Me too. Even all of these years later, when yeah. you know, uh, it's it's. I think it's become what it was always going to become, if for better or for worse. Uh, mm-hmm. Put it like this: <coughs> I did. I I can't take credit for this, but Facebook is where you go to hide from people who you know. Whereas Twitter is where you go to kind of hang out with people who you don't. It's true. It's very, very true. Mm. And uh, the people I don't know are usually a lot less stressful. Or if they get stressful, I just bomb it and start a new Twitter. <laughs> yep. Set my Twitter <laughs> yeah. and walk away. Light that match. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, you know, it works out great for me. I love Twitter. It may be a hell site, but it's my favorite hell site. Yeah. Yeah, well put. And if it's just hell that you're getting from it, then maybe you're not doing it right. Yeah, maybe you're using it wrong. That's They added those like stories at the top of it now, the fleets. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I love them because oh, this, the funny thing about it is that so many of the people that I follow are like angry leftists. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's their brand. All of their posts are, you know, about policies or you know, raising awareness of things or whatever. And then their fleets are just like, it's my cat. Look at it. Look at its toe beans. <laughs> like, <laughs> that it's came so great. out of absolutely no way. I mean, um, yeah. you'll know this, but I've, this is the first, fuck me. I've spent the last four days. <laughs> I've barely come up for air, man. I got a PlayStation. I know, how did we not mention Thursday. this? This is the news. Yeah. I have not. Oh, man, have I consumed a lot of video game content in the past 48, <laughs> uh, you know, 72 odd hours. And then I come back to the world and it was like, fleets? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mark got his PS5 and disappeared off the face of the planet for <laughs> several days. Really, I didn't, <laughs> I, di- I did not come up for it. It was fantastic. But, you know, you've got to rejoin the world and all of its associated anxieties. I know. I love that. That was your your inclination. You're like, okay, I've I've rejoined society again. I would like to talk about all the ways I'm anxious. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was that's literally how it happened. Um, because you can't switch them off, can't you? When you're playing a video game, all you're doing is diverting that particular fucking synapse, that pathway. Right. They're still there. They're always bubbling away. They never stop. Yeah. So let's 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 talk about it then. I suspect everyone does. Everyone has their big hitters when it comes to anxieties things that you are worried as fuck over and if you stopped and devoted the time to worrying about them as they deserve you'd never get anything done you'd fucking yeah you couldn't (laughs) right 
So you yeah. just kind of carry on with life, leaving yes. these anxiety pots bubbling away on your fucking mental stove in the back, knowing that sooner or later, they're going to, I'm going to keep going with the stove metaphor, they're going to bubble over, ruin your fucking kitchen, but you can't deal with them because they're massive. Um, yeah. And they haven't that's gone exactly, anywhere. Yeah, you, that's exactly kind of, you've phrased better what I was trying to say about how like the anxiety has just been there, but we've just kind of like had to make it work so mm. that we can function in any possible way because mm. you know at the beginning of this whole thing and you actually sent me an article about this last week that i've shared with other people but it was like the vivid like covid dreams right and they weren't necessarily even about nope covid it was nope. just the stress yep. of the situation of the first lockdown like the dreams were insane i was astounded not just at how vivid they were but that uh You'll be shocked to learn that I hold no stock in dream interpretation at all, right? It is bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. So it came as a massive, massive shock to me. Not only that, you know, waking events could quantifiably have an impact on your dreaming state when you're stressed, when it's relentlessly weird and uncertain, you will, uh, you will dream more vividly. That was an incredible kind of light bulb going off for me that, you know, there is cause and effect between waking stimulus and 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 your dream state and hearing you'd never had this before this was like because nope. that's nope. interesting we said like dream interpretation is bullshit i'm like it is from like a you know whatever Content. the weird things people do mm. with dream interpretation are and it's like oh well there was a purple cloud and that means that you know oh, whatever. i'm gonna like, lose a friend yeah right like mm. that's a, but your psychological state and your dream state of course they're like completely you know, intertwined with one another. And no, I didn't believe I'm that. I'm a vivid dreamer. I'm a very vivid dreamer. So everything that, like, when I'm processing what's going on in life, there's, it's all there, up in there when I sleep. There's a moment in, like, most of the, the Nightmare on Elm Street series where somebody will realize, you had the same dream as I did. Yeah. He's got a sweater. Eh. That moment, right? <laughs> when I came downstairs after a particularly fucked up COVID dream, turned on the radio and the news was like, people around the country are reporting an incredible surge in the vividness of their... I was like, oh my God! It was incredible. <laughs> it was incredible. That That is, wow, total mm. Elm Street moment. Convergent dreaming or whatever. Mm. It's just, you know, that was kind of where things started, where things were so heightened all the time that it was, for a lot of us, manifesting mm. that way, that it, mm. all that anxiety and tension was coming out in our dreams and then you kind of you have to get used to things right yes. you can't like you just said you can't constantly be in a state of terror mm -hmm. all the time you just can't function like that mm -hmm. uh and so we've all kind of found ways to cope in certain ways but that doesn't mean we're doing well no. um <laughs> that's that's a very strange sort of feeling i feel like whenever like, for example, when we start a conversation and it's like, oh, how are you doing? I'm like, Blech. I guess good. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I don't go anywhere. And like everything is crazy and terrible. And it, oh, it's about to get worse. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. But, but, fine, but fine, I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and while I hate giving transactional responses to people, I hate kind of. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Yeah. You. Uh, mm hmm. When you yeah, ask, yeah, you didn't, you didn't let me get away with it earlier. <laughs> yeah, when you ask how I'm doing, 
you want me to give you the transactional answer, trust me, because <laughs> the the genuine truth isn't productive. It's not going to help anyone. Because that, that's another thing. Mm. Getting paralyzed with anxiety helps fuck all. It doesn't that's help true. you, the people who, you know, depend on you, or the people you work for. It doesn't help the, the, the issue that you're anxious about. Right. And that's, if, the, like, that's kind of at the you know, at the core of all of this, trying to figure out like, so what, what do we do with that? How do we, we channel mm. that anxiety, right? Either in a way that is productive emotionally or is productive on a, um, an actionable level, right? To, mm. you know, how do we harness all of this feeling to either be able to do something that can potentially fix and change things mm. or to make it so that we do not, bubble over and destroy the kitchen right? mm. it's a really interesting kind of yeah. question uh i don't know if this is just bullshit that i tell myself to absolve me but mm. no actually no it isn't i, I genuinely believe this i <laughs> i again this is the journey i'm confronting my own beliefs before i fucking say them yeah do it spill it does on things like the on things like climate change right mm -hmm. yeah you know that's an obsession of mine same right same mm -hmm. yeah but that's one where the, the the depth of my anxiety over it and the depth of my conviction that we've actually gone past a tipping point or six right. um i fail to see how one person can influence that or impact that right no i i understand that completely and i you know I think we both are, can be very principled people about things, you know, and take strong stances on things or whatever. Um, and, you know, that was what prompted me to become a vegan, right? Was mm -hmm. just to like feel like at least in some way uh, I'm not completely impotent in this. While realizing mm -hmm. that me becoming a vegan doesn't ultimately do anything. And I love like spreading it, getting other people to not do it because I think, you know, there's something to supply and demand, right? Mm -hmm. If not as many people want a thing, they're not going to sell that thing. And that's why, like, wasn't it in the UK where there was the whole thing about how, like, um, companies were, like, fighting back against, like, the labeling of, uh, of like, fake meat because the meat companies are like, shit, people yes. are actually eating it, yes. right? And so, like, they're, they're worried about this kind of thing. But <laughs> that's also such a little drop in the bucket of this. Whereas you get people like the Sunrise Movement, right, that is a huge movement here of young people who are terrified of climate change and created an organization uh, that has incredible political power. So for they're kind of uh, pushing the Green New Deal mm. um, in the United States, which is a series of various forms of reforms and changes in government structures that are supposed to um mitigate climate change while also doing things like providing jobs for people and all yeah. these kinds of things. Um, and one of the things like they literally put so much effort behind a candidate in Massachusetts that a Kennedy lost. They managed to beat a Kennedy by being so incredibly invested in like getting people motivated. Like climate change is a big issue. You need to vote for Markey. You need to like change things. They did a huge letter writing campaign where you would get postcards and write to undecided voters in swing states, get them to, you know, uh, vote for people who are uh, helping with climate change stuff. Mm. 
that's what I'm talking about with like the like, I want control, so I'm a vegan. <laughs> but I don't have control. Mm. Um, but you can harness these kinds of things and put them towards people who, I mean, you're right. We've passed so many of the, yeah. the little benchmarks and we really can't fix that we have fucked things. Yep. Um, but I don't know. I think this is my perspective on it is trying, I like, I try not to go like, okay, well then, <laughs> then I just sit here uh, in impotent anxiety. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, <sighs> The, the the heat death of the sun in a few billion years, right? <laughs> that and the slow or maybe even not so slow reduction of our living standards leading to an in you know, an inhospitable and unpopulated earth, those are two certainties to me. I don't think yeah. I don't I don't think either of them is now is in any way stoppable. Yeah, that's true. I think you're right. Uh and that then, and that's a big, that's a big pan on the stove. It is, and one of the things about that that always stresses me out as well is kind of, uh, you know, one of my favorite genres of movie, and I think this is the way that I like to deal with this kind of tension is through movies. Mm, same. I love a disaster movie. I oh, love God. a disaster movie. Mm-hmm. Um, have always loved them. I mean, Twister will always be my. I have to have seen it by like two hundred times by now. Obsessed with it. Uh, can i please drop my twister fact oh yes please well let let me yeah like, <laughs> write down where i was going with the disaster <laughs> thing, but... <laughs> okay go ahead i think I've, i think i think i've shared the twister fact with you already okay uh and i now give this gift to our audience <clears throat> twister was the first uh, ever feature film to be made commercially available on dvd that's right, you did tell me that. There you go, there you go. That's... And I own that DVD. There you go. Is it a first run? Who knows? Is it a first pressing? Maybe it's, I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think I okay. bought it like in a bargain bin at Target one day. And I was like, I have to stop only watching this on TV. But now I still keep watching it on TV because I love it so much. I will watch it anytime. Um, oh, is, is that one of your, if, it, if, if I see any of this if movie, it, I'm sitting my ass down and watching the rest happening. of it. Mine, yep. One of mine is Carlita's Way. It doesn't matter where I join that fucking film. Never seen that. Oh. <laughs> My God. Sorry, okay. A lot of people will, will point to Scarface and The Untouchables as, as you know, those really big kind of gangster movies, crime movies. Carlito's yeah. Way. Okay, Fuck. interesting. Just, ah, oh man, I do not have enough superlatives about Carlito's Way. Just every performance, every fucking shot, it is... So good. So, you will love okay. So there's that. But all that to say, um, I love disaster movies. And one of the things that you always see in a disaster movie mm. is like disaster movies tend to deal with class more than a lot of movies do. Very um, And this understanding that in the case of the planet becoming uninhabitable, yeah. that like us sorry fucks are not getting off of it. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, going to be rich people who take their like Tesla Airbus into the sky and like yep. peace out after they have destroyed this place, you know? And that's one of the things that I find as things get worse is so stressful to me is thinking about like the yep. divide of class. Yes. Um, and, it it, it doesn't feel to me that any of the things that would need to be in place for us to unite as a people and to fucking 
global solution the shit out of something. Right. None of those bits are in place. None of those it's bits are in place. Um, inequality. We is... are in Snowpiercer world. Like that's what we. Yeah. Yes. This. Yes. And I'm the same as you. You know this. I will. I will look to movies to distract me from the fucking chaos on my stove. Um, okay. but... but it's a movie about someone's kitchen exploding. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure would be bad. Somebody needs to turn that pot down. <laughs> are there any uh, exactly in terms of climate change i mean when i think of climate change movies the only ones that come to mind are shit um well yeah no and i mean i'm with disaster movies i'm very similar about them as i am to my boat core right mm. that i'm like it doesn't necessarily have to be good i'm still mm. going to watch it um and most of them are yeah, they're, terrible. They're, yeah, they're, I mean, day after tomorrow. Geostorm, fucking geostorm. Um, wow, uh, Gerard Butler versus weather. He, he's he, he, yeah. love that yeah. for him. Yep. I don't know why, because that's that's the thing is that climate change is such an existential threat. Like it's such like a a very real threat it's a very looming thing and you would think that there would be a lot of good horror being made about it and instead you get yeah. stuff like the happening um <laughs> but like although i feel like i watched something recently that was like kind of the like happening. that but actually was good um there are where we need it we yeah. need that that kind of uh, movie, I think, that just sort of draws our attention to. I mean, I'm it's wondering. Like, so if you oh, go, go ahead. on, I'm wondering if if too much too much art has been made that deals with symbolism and subtext about about climate change and about you know man destroying his environment. I think it needs to be a little bit more explicit, uh, but not yeah. shit. I think somebody, some fucking huge <laughs> auteur, right. needs to needs uh, to like make the the climate change opus magnum opus yes. you know yes yes I, yes the thing about things like horror things like sci-fi and mm. your disaster movies and all those kinds of things is that you're always looking at like extrapolation right yes. so taking from you know what exists what could be essentially and, and figuring out what that could be uh and so often you're either looking at like dystopia or utopia one way or another, right? So mm. you you've got like your your Wally world, or you've got your Star Trek world, and you know there's mm. these different ways that we we deal with things like climate change and things that are threats like this by either imagining like, hey guys, wait, what if everything were great though? What if we did this differently and we fixed it? And then you get mm. Star Trek, and then we just get exploration. You know, we get to like go and and do cool shit because. We saw we were screwing it up, and then we we fixed our path. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you get these other movies that instead are like, nope, we we botched it. We, what are, what do your cover photos always say? Like we fucked it, lads. We fucked it, lads. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I think I'm not sure whether we need like a really good climate change. We fucked it, lads. Movie or a really good <laughs> I think climate I really, change. We I was fix it. I was hoping that. I was hoping you'd know of some of the former um, because I, I genuinely don't believe that I, you know, I, I don't think that it's within our power anymore to fix it. I think it's I think it's done. I think uh, the the great filter, you know what I mean? I think it's come in. I think we've we've we're knocking on its door, possibly. I mean, uh, from The Guardian, 
in September of this year. I'm just going to read the opening paragraph of, Do it. of an article, I'm afraid. The world has failed to meet a single target to stem the destruction of wildlife and life-sustaining ecosystems in the last decade, according to a devastating new report from the UN on the state of nature. Every country, every summit, every think tank, every fucking working group, everything in the last decade that has set itself a target has failed to meet that target. Um, and what's the most annoying thing about this is that I think, you know, if we had another 10 years mm. that the kids care enough about this mm. and understand this and understand that the the world that has been left for them mm. is uh, trash and we might be able to start doing something about this, but we don't have 10 years nope. to do that. We have 20 years back that we should have have yeah. fixed this uh, and it has been just so entirely hijacked by the idea. I mean, that's the thing is even in my choosing uh, to be a vegan and whatnot, I'm buying into a harmful narrative of personal responsibility versus corporate responsibility versus oh, government yeah. responsibility, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Certainly. and that, like I can't do anything, but I've been, you know, guilted into that kind of thought process, you know, that mm -hmm. like, it's my responsibility to do something. I think Leonardo DiCaprio has actually talked about this. Um, it might have been, he did that climate change documentary a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and I think it was mentioned in this that he was like, yeah, in the 90s, I went around telling people to like change their light bulbs to more sustainable things, you know, like, and thus put the onus on individuals, which is great for the companies that are actually, yeah, of you course. know, responsible for all of this stuff. Uh, and they have done nothing to mitigate the actual things i just don't eat cows it's a problem um and a deep deep anxiety that it like probably one of the the deepest the things that sort of keeps before all of this lockdown stuff and everything this is really at the forefront of my mind um, i read a ton of books last year about it um, mm. and this year as well but was really getting into, you know, any kind of way of also trying to figure out like, okay, when the climate crisis really hits, how do we like sustain ourselves? Yeah. You know, yeah. like when everybody is, it's every man for themselves and stuff like, I need to have food I can eat in my backyard or, like, you know, things yeah. like that. Do I need a gun? Like, what, how do I deal with this? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, and th listen, this is so bleak. This is such a bleak way to round the topic off for now. But the last thing that I can tell myself is, ah, at least it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens. <laughs> Won't it? You know? It's a very Mark-style optimism. Yeah, completely. It'll be horrible, but at least I get to see it. At least I'll, yeah. you know? I'm just going to witness uh, the, the sixth Bear station. witness. Exactly that. And it gives us a third way out uh, to wrap up Jack of All Graves, one of our deaths. Oh. A complete on-air meltdown or the end of all things. Climate death. Climate we death. hadn't considered that one previously. Three so, ways out of this, Corrigan. Yeah. yeah. But I think uh, it, it's very indicative of, of our personalities, the, the ways that we approach thinking about this kind of, of thing. Yeah, yeah. You're more yeah. likely to just be like, fuck, I guess I'm just going to watch it where I'm like, I don't know, I'll just, I'll just... I'll just not go to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
very, very much our perspectives on how to deal with these kinds mm. of anxieties. You know, it is a bummer. Well, tell me. Is that potentially with all of this lockdown stuff and everything, we could have used some of this time to harness some of this climate change stuff, you know, at least start to hit oh, a few man. targets. Look. There were so many ways in which we could have done this better. And oh, just, man. And just I, like the virus itself just botched the entire execution. All of these targets that we've merrily let skip by, right? They were made targets because at some point they seemed possible. They seemed like mm -hmm. it could be done. You don't set yourself a target on purpose that you have no hope of right. hitting. These were yeah. realistic for a time for some smart people to commit to. Yeah. And they've just sailed on by. You know, yeah. you talk about this difference between how we react to, to situations like this. I talked about Twitter earlier on. It was such fun mid-lockdown to see tweets from people along the same theme. Maybe we can all collectively use this as an opportunity to <laughs> not go back to the way things were. It's like, ah, ha, ha, we will not do that. Yeah, there's uh, no way that's that, going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. And, you know, it did not. It, it didn't happen at all. <sighs> yeah, it, it gives me no end of that. But that's my, you know, it, we talked in the first episode about um, how it's, you know, we run to the horror and all that kind of stuff when when things get mm. crazy. Mm. Um, and that is absolutely one of the things that I, I do with it is whether they're good or bad. I mean, I just, I will watch disaster movies much like I watched Contagion and Outbreak and things like that at the beginning of COVID because it's just, I don't, I don't know. I feel like maybe I think when I watch something like that, that that's the worst case scenario. Yeah. And that it can't possibly be that bad. Yeah. Right? Like it can't be outbreak bad, can it? If we don't get outbreak bad, I think <laughs> I can I think I can survive this. I think we're okay. Yeah. You know, and that's that's kind of where I get my catharsis from in this is watching something and going, Okay, this is like this is the one step worst. above one step above yeah, if we, Justin Hoffman. Just to, that's all I need is one step above that. And I think that I think that I can breathe a little bit. And that's, again, that's how we've adjusted to this whole thing, right? And why mm. we're coming up on, like, such an incredible, like, resurgence of this, or we've hit this incredible resurgence, is, I think, a part of that, like, sense of, like, well, it's not outbreak. It I, could be worse. In 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 the way that I'm never less than so impressed when I see you do it. You've put your fucking finger right on the button there. You've nailed it. it, it it, it, losing yourself in the worst case scenario in fiction is just is a way of ameliorating it for yourself, isn't it? Ah, it was not bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like nobody has like come busting into my house, like bleeding all over the place or anything like that yet. <laughs> so I think I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when we when there was like the first waves of the. <clears throat> the first waves of the Black Lives Matter protests here um, over mm. George Floyd, I just remember um, there had been, like, some rumors that there were going to be, like, these sort of um, instigators, right-wing instigators that were going to come to Anaheim uh, and, like, cause trouble, cause mayhem. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking down Center Street, which is a street that I lived on and had, like, sort of the main drag of, like, restaurants and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. as all of the businesses boarded up 
put up all these boards everywhere and they they tried to like you know have a camaraderie to it they wrote messages on them like they painted murals on some of the boards and things like that but that almost it's like the you know it's the the band on the titanic right there's just this, yeah, sure, there was just sure. this moment of watching this all happen of being like oh no 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 this is the thing that happens in the horror movie this is absolutely it, where you just board everything up as the unrest happens and, you know, mm. just watch it all burn down. Uh, and it's it's been a weird it's been a weird year, Mark. It's been so weird. Yes, it has. Uh, and it's so weird. You know. What this this cast came along at just the right fucking time for me. Right. I'll just put it that way. You yeah. and this cast came along at just the right time. Um, yeah. Whether it's something to distract you from the kitchen or whether it's something, whether it's the fucking instructions to the cooker, man. Whether it's a way of trying to help me fucking pick everything apart and make sense of it. Uh, that's Look, you, you're you an advocate for therapy. Corrigan, you are therapy. So <laughs> There we go. I'll take that. I like that. I like thinking about it that way. Wherever you get it, Mark. <laughs> I feel good yes. about it. Do you have any, do you have any, I mean, what are your other big hitters? What are the other kind of... So there's the inevitable death of all things. What what are some yeah, of the other anxieties a, that you have? Which is a big one. I think, I, I feel like a lot of my stuff is like class-based and things like that. And I'm always worried about like impending revolution and destruction of the world and all this kind of stuff. But mm. also, I think one of the things I've discovered from this podcast is that I have more fear around um, like technology and about uh where that's headed for us about privacy yeah, yeah, um yeah. about there was an article uh in the new york times did this come up on your feed uh that it was like do these people look real to you and it was like 30 ai faces ha <laughs> so fantastic like, no that didn't yeah. oh, however because right, you were not on twitter this past week so so you missed that however um i did uh, finish the story mode of Spider-Man Miles Morales and the bad guy blames it or ah, it wasn't me it was a deep fake so you know ah. even that term he actually <laughs> said deep fakes but... uh, uh. um, <laughs> oh Spidey wins uh, but they, they they even use that terminology deep fakes even, deep even fakes. that you know it's becoming more and more kind of casually acceptable yeah. isn't it but yeah think, in, you information know, both very as I say, it's, we're both very sort of concerned with um, with like the way that people take in media and manipulation um, and everything sort of wrapped up in that and seeing like AI, deep fake, like anything that is that manipulates our idea of what is real. That's a mm. thing that I have started to realize is a deep anxiety for me. Although if uh, I don't know if this helps or not, but <laughs> when you when you put that particular pot next to the kind of um the the biodiversity climate change kind of pot the one pot you can't do anything about but i think this one it it, we're still in the stages whereby we can help i am so the opposite of you on here see this is where i think this is futile i think this Mm. is like this is almost completely futile to try to deal with uh and that's i mean i don't know why this is the one that i think we we can't do anything about but I think mm. maybe just because it keeps getting worse instead of better mm. and people keep becoming more media illiterate and not less. Uh, and I don't know if this is the case in the UK the way it is here, but just watching how insidious like conspiracy theories are and whatnot and the ways they get into everything. So influencers, Instagram mm. influencers, especially yoga influencers, 
uh, have started like that's been one of the key hubs of um, conspiracy thought, right? Something as simple yoga. as people go yoga. Yeah. Because they start with these sort of like, you know, this idea of like, you know, looking at the world through a sort of spiritual lens. And then this starts to lend to these people um, getting into like alternative practices that can be good, right? Like you don't need to medicate everything. Sure. Whatever. No, of course. But then that leads into anti-vax things. And then yeah, this yeah, leads yeah, into yeah. everything being a conspiracy. And this has been a huge move that now following yoga influencers has shifted people uh, towards conspiracy thought. Uh, and now QAnon is like a huge thing in yoga circles. <laughs> this wow. like, or you know, or how we've talked about like the like people and um, and uh, astrology being more of a thing now. Like I'm only seeing people get more easily duped. I'm not seeing people get less. Right. I mean, I think where we're at with this though is the cranks are still in the minority. Still currently, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I think if uh. if you can role model information literacy in a way that you know not in a kind of a eh, well I think you'll find me not being a dick right. about it right. but if you can role model in, if you can influence good practice in terms of information literacy when you're calling somebody out for posting bullshit tell them how you you know, it, the the URL was sus or the images, you know, you reverse search the image and it came up on 50 fucking websites or the source you just shared from. That's what drives me insane is that I, I mean, this has been such a passion maybe, for so long. Maybe but, that person won't. But if, right. if you're visibly like calling them looking out. looking on. Yes. yes. That's, I know. I know this. And this is, I. you're saying exactly the things I've been saying for all, all this time i've always been like no 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 it's not for like that person may not but there's someone mm. looking on i always use mm. megan phelps from the westboro baptist church as my example because yeah. she changed her mind from watching people talk about this stuff on facebook i think i emailed like that, her but a couple of really? times i think i think i had a, a really brief back and forth email exchange with two of the phelps family while um, she was still in it or after afterwards afterwards oh, okay um uh, louis theroux one of our most celebrated documentarians did a piece on the Phelps clan um, mm -hmm. and I had a, a brief kind of two or three male long discussion with, with Megan afterwards about what? can't remember it was a long time ago we're going back 15 <laughs> years easily <laughs> well okay um, I know these things deep down it's just that so for me I think I always look at it that like there are I have always been deeply about this media literacy thing to the point where like, you yeah, know, someone same. will post something bullshit on Facebook. And then when I respond to it, they're like, I kind of knew you were going to come in on this. I'm like, then why didn't you Google it? But, yeah. you know, all that Joe, to say, like, I'm known for that kind of thing. My absolute, ah, uh, I just, uh, whenever I get this response, I just love it. Oh, mm. so, it's so good. So someone will post a bullshit quote, right? Uh, with a picture of fucking Marilyn Monroe on or... Morgan Freeman, for right. some fucking reason. Yeah. And it'll say, live every day as though you were going to a party. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> right? right? And I'll respond with, hey, hey, just saying, Marilyn Monroe didn't say that. Post a Snopes link. And the response inevitably will be, oh, okay, but it's still a good quote, isn't it? Yes! Still, <sighs> but the idea is great, isn't it? <sighs> my, my, I mean... You know, I don't, I don't tend to drag the conversation out after that. But the response then is, well, why didn't you fucking say it yourself? Right. 
<laughs> like, Rather than falsely attributing it to Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, it's almost as if it's not that good an insight if you don't think it came from someone famous. But, uh, yeah. you know. But that's, you know, so when I look at it, I think there, I see two contingents of people over time that I have people in my life who now I see, and a lot of these people are amongst like my ex evangelical crew and stuff like that. But mm. not all of them. Some of them are still Christians, things like that, mm. who have moved towards media literacy over the past, you know, 15 years or whatever that Facebook has existed and I've been sitting there like correcting stuff for them all this time and being mm. like, hey, you know, you know, you can do this. But I see a very large contingent of people who have only doubled down um, yep. and that it just gets and that it's gotten so much more um, like the things that they are now spreading are so much more dangerous than they were. 10, 15 years ago. Uh, and that is why it stresses me out so much. Well, a, a very good friend of mine, right? A school friend. And when I say a very good school friend, I mean back in back in our school days, we were, you would have called us best friends. We would go camping for weekends, see each other every day after school, drink. There were maybe like four or five of us in a really close-knit group of friends, right? This guy, uh, completely absent from social media, for many years, five, ten years, made a reappearance like six weeks ago and just stream of conscience reposting bullshit, right? Yeah. And didn't even seem to discriminate on what themes or topics he would post bullshit from. There was <laughs> right. stuff that has no <laughs> resonance within the UK. Yeah. <laughs> and he went through the entire gamut Um Anti-vax, Bill Gates, microchips. He he even then moved on to reposting stuff from David Icke. Does that guy ring know a bell? The name vaguely, but not not super. Fucking well. hell! Um, used to be a sports journalist, right here in the UK. Like would cover sporting events, and then just went right off the deep end into his conspiracy theories. And currently, uh, he's all about kind of reptiles in human form. The royal family are a group of fucking. Lizards. I know like a good chunk of people who believe that and yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, this it's incredible to me. This is this my 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 school friend jumped onto Facebook and was posting shit like that and then a week ago uh vanished, man. He's deactivated his account. He's gone. He's probably just... on parlor or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, is it spreading? Yes, I believe so, but I I still think that we're not we haven't we haven't passed the tipping point, and I still think we can make an impact in terms of things like information literacy. Here's the thing, to me, that I think is the problem here, and why I'm not super hopeful about it. It's um, about like early education. I right. think you have to nip this stuff in the bud so early. Yes. Right. We yes. need to be having media literacy in schools and things like that from the jump. Right. Like right out yep. the gate. You should be, I think there should be a curriculum that everyone is doing. Like, here's the kindergarten media literacy curriculum. Yeah. One. Here's first grade, second grade, whatever. And that should be a thing. One of the things that, you know, when you're like growing up and like your friends become teachers and then suddenly you realize like teachers are people and mm. that they're not necessarily like excessively smart people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know some of my friends who are like early education teachers are really kind of dim bulbs, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. the smartest people I've ever met in my life. People who post bullshit all yes. the time. And if the people who are in charge of teaching kids this yes. uh, don't 
understand yes. any of it and that continues to be perpetuated yep. then how do you how do you get at this their parents don't aren't media literate, literate their teachers aren't media literate who is supposed to do this me on facebook yep. am i supposed to teach yep. these kids like sure who, and who then comes in and mitigates this uh, Brandolini's law, I believe. Is that something you've heard of? Uh, it, it's the, no. I'm paraphrasing and dumbing it right down, I'm sure. But I think at the essence of it is the idea that the effort it takes to generate bullshit is way less than the effort it takes to call it out. Yes. So hitting yes. repost, hitting retweet on something is meh. That, this, meh I'll, I'll, shoot this, I'll shoot this out there. But the effort to check those sources, reverse search the images... Be nice. Right, yeah. You know, and influence someone into confronting what they've just gone, there is way greater. The effort that it takes to call shit out and to spread it are not, you know, not congruent. Exactly. It's easy thinking, you know, it's easy mm. black and white thinking to be able to just sort of hit post and let it go, you know. And I think even though it's a silly measure, you know, Twitter adding the thing where it's like, do you want to read this article before you repost it? Like, honestly, sometimes up. it's like, it's like I, I'll retweet things because I want to comment on the comment, you know, and sometimes even that gives me pause because mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I should actually like read this. But I'm like, that's not even what my point was. You know, it's mm. like it's a dumb article. It's not something I need to read um, or I read it somewhere else earlier and I just like this person's comment on it. But it does give me some pause and I hope that it does give some other people who actually like really need that um some pause about it just a reminder that it's like hey do you want to do you want to make sure this says what you think it says like do you want to look into it um yeah. you know a little stopper on that i think is actually if i'm going to be optimistic about anything i feel like that's at least a good first step is to put yeah. a just a quick wall up Ooh, before yeah, people yeah. do something yeah. you know if everything you retweeted on facebook it said hey do you want to check this first like and that was a thing you had to bypass actively to do it mm. like maybe that would actually you know be a start to it and it's not all i guess you also have to not discriminate because the 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 you know kind of foam mouthed uh hysterical shit that people share without checking isn't always designed to sow dissent and cause destructive opinions somebody retweeted the other day uh, the fact that, quote unquote, fact that since the first lockdown, male suicide had increased to the tune of 200 percent and had mm -hmm. quoted the number for the Samaritans for people to reach out and get help. There is nothing to support that suicide rates have increased at all during lockdown, let alone this 200 percent. It just yeah. it just <laughs> doesn't hold up to any scrutiny. Mm -hmm. But, oh, that grabs. That's a that's a, a very emotive topic. It's a very. Right. I mean, is that slacktivism? Is that somebody being drawn into, right. I'm helping, way? Yeah, saying when... the right things as well, mm. you know, and it looks good. It's not coming from the, like, clearly racist or hateful things like that. You think you're doing a good deed. I mean, mm. this is also how QAnon got everyone into the, um, the, oh, my hair tie's stuck. Uh, <laughs> how QAnon got everyone into, the, like, the um, save our children thing, right? Yeah, like, the hashtag... Yeah. Of that, like, of course, everyone is against child sex trafficking. Right? Um, and I highly recommend there's an episode of the podcast You're Wrong About that goes into this called um, Wayfair and Child Sex Trafficking Statistics that mm -hmm. talks about, like, 
we think that that is a much bigger problem than it actually is. And of course, any oh, yeah. one child being sex trafficked is a bad thing. But yeah. that like it's so blown out of proportion, but it's such an easy thing for us to get behind. Right. Like, yeah, yeah we yeah. all hate that that happens. So it's a very easy activist yeah. mode to be in that. Like, yeah, I'm against child sex trafficking. Let me something post very shit about this. Something right? very similar has happened over here as well. A survey where people were invited to uh, guess kind of percentages and figures mm -hmm. in terms of things like uh, culture, how many of our population are from a kind of a migrant basis, mm -hmm. how many Muslims are there in the UK, how many people, you know, what's the rate of under 15s getting pregnant? And mm -hmm. the guesses that people make are just way out of whack yeah. with the reality, you know? Right, people, yeah, totally. And we could talk about the reasons why that is. Until yeah. we're blue but, in the face, but yeah, yeah. confirmation. <laughs> but our, yeah, confirmation our understandings. Bias. Yeah, our understandings of our world and our society are. I mean, we have to recognize our limitations with them, mm. um, and that's you know maybe it's a Dunning Kruger thing that like we all have a little bit of, but. I don't know, except that one of my anxieties is being wrong about things, so I'm usually very good about. I don't even use like a slightly large word without Googling it to make sure it was the correct <laughs> word. So, you know, this is a, it's not as much of a problem for me, but I've certainly, you know, posted things thinking that I was like, oh yeah, this totally makes sense. And then been later like, no, no, I fell into it as well. I, I fell I think into a, that a, trap, you know, I researched in the wrong place. Or... Yeah, totally. And, and I, think, I think a big part of being an effective ambassador, shall I say, for information literacy as opposed to an influencer is not shying away from fessing up when you're wrong as fuck. Mm -hmm. I yes. love being wrong oh as fuck. God, it's a great yes. laugh. I think it, yeah. it's it's a really it's a privilege, I suppose, to be able yeah. to just post underneath something you posted five minutes ago and go whoop, yep. and not just nope. delete it and hope no one saw. Yeah. Call yourself out. I think that's right. a, such a, a kind of a, a a a valuable, authentic behavior is not yeah. being afraid to be wrong. Yeah, and that is. Uh... That's a tough one. You know, it is mm. very difficult for most people to be wrong. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it either. Like I said, I don't like to be wrong. That's why I try to avoid yeah. it in the first place. Um, yeah. But I do think that that is such an incredibly valuable thing. It's like, I mean, even stuff like, you know, when we were doing our Rapture episode, talking about all that stuff was talking about ways in which I was wrong for a decade. And a really that interesting angle. is it's a tension for me to be mm. like, I firmly believed this. I, you mm. know, talked to kids about this and like went to different countries and talked about it. And like, I have to sit here and tell you I was wrong all this time. It's an uncomfortable feeling and one that tends to cause people a ton of defensiveness. And maybe that's also a, a thing that my friend Emily and I always talk about is that alongside whatever media liter literacy, whatever, Empathy needs to be something yes. that is is taught because for some of us, we are excessively empathetic naturally, um, but it needs to be modeled and not just by watching Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers or things like that, but genuinely uh, modeled in schools and like in ways that are very productive and lead to uh, kids then not feeling afraid to be wrong because why do you not want to be wrong? You don't want to be mocked. You don't want to feel bad. <laughs> like True. you don't want the emotions that come with being corrected. Uh, and if we have a world in which you can, in which mockery is not people's first impulse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, you know, that's also part of that process, I think. Yeah. If we can be right. wrong and not be 
you know, fed to the wolves afterwards. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it depends on where your wrongness <laughs> manifests, yes. I guess. That's a Some very good things, point. <laughs> you only get one chance. Yeah, some things, no, if you're wrong about it, you should absolutely be, yeah. you know, torn to absolute shreds. Imprisoned. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but when it comes yeah. to posting a bullshit article on Facebook. Misattributing like, a quote. Yes. Misattributing I, I, a quote. Yeah, owning up to it and correcting yourself <laughs> should be celebrated as opposed to, baha, you know, you. they didn't and say that. And you know that. what the thing is, Mark? Mm. I think it is celebrated. I think people appreciate it and it is much like things we've talked about before. It's in our heads, mm. you know, I mean, and, and yes, people will mock you for things or whatever, but also I feel like over the course of my life, I, people have always said, you know, like I appreciate it when you pointed out you were wrong about something like that. Mm. Uh, and it really is, you know, how, how do we get past those, those hangups about that kind of thing and just be like, oops, you know what? We're learning. We're growing. Let's do this together. And you know, and everyone that's... comes out of that second scenario better than they went in. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you know what, Mark? Maybe I feel a little bit more hopeful now after <laughs> this conversation. Like, turn okay. down that pop. Turn it down. Turn turn it right down. You know, the anxiety is dimmed a little bit. There are ways. There are solutions. I've been trying for a long time, but maybe there is. There is something we can do about this, and it won't always be this descent. Good. What a lovely (laughs) outcome. Indeed. Better than the climate change outcome, I think. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Have we addressed enough anxiety? Ooh, do you have any more that you'd like to give a little airing to? I feel good about the ones I did. I kind of was, I kind of commandeered both of those. Do you have any more? Well, the environment and information literacy were two that I I, I wrote the We were on the same page. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's the good old classic pandemic anxiety. Yeah, um, classic which... pandemic anxiety. That's like it in a nutshell, that at this point it's like, yeah, you know, pandemic anxiety, the thing we all have and yeah. we know is a, a general thing that none of us would have thought about a year ago. For me, right, the fact that it happened so quickly and even those that did see it come in Failed to act. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I confident that were it to happen again, we would be better prepared? I am not. No. I am not confident not. at all that if, say, maybe a decade from now, this exact same shit happens again, I'm comfortable in my certainty that, in fact, some countries would handle it worse. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'd probably here would handle it worse. I don't think that I think we've only gotten worse about how we have handled it over the process of this happening. Mm. So unless major changes happen on every conceivable level when this happens again. And that is the thing is when is it? There's been plenty of articles out about the fact that coronavirus itself is probably going to become a reoccurring thing um, that we have to deal with. I think it's absolutely uh, going to be worse. Good friend of mine who was in the middle of a, she was at the time in the middle of a biology masters, was fond of just mentioning casually every time to time that that you know, hey, listen, diseases they they mutate all the time. Stuff that was <laughs> bloodborne today could be airborne next week. <laughs> so you know, don't get too comfy. 
it really is. This is. I feel like this is just something I want to give voice to because probably a lot of people feel the same way that it feels unending and mm. that I don't know if this was just us talking about it or if this was in a conversation on the podcast, but mm. this idea that at this point we have lost nearly a year of our lives and we're, you know, that super sucks, but we're also in our 30s and 40s here. Um, my students are losing prime time of their life right mm. now you know and that like the idea of us not knowing where this is going and not making a ton of progress and not being prepared to do anything about this in in this country like my, my cousin lives in taiwan she's great she's been living her life you know my friend monica lives in korea she's great she's living her life yeah my that buddy nathan in, who moved yeah. from moved from cardiff moved from south wales to new zealand a few years back he's, uh, he's yeah. been going to gigs man great. he's been posting pictures of him in crowded fucking yeah you know, exactly gig like they're living their lives you know and 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 maybe that's part of it too is seeing that this uh, seeing what could be and realizing that it's bad mm. for no fucking reason um except that the structures and the people are terrible yeah. um you know and i just it's this the thing that i think i'm constantly trying to stave off is the the david after dentist feeling the um is this going to be forever <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I don't I this can't be forever right and I have to do everything in my power to tell myself this we, we will fix we have to fix it right we have to do something about this and that's not true that's not an inevitability but I have to believe that I have to somewhere in mm. me believe somehow this is not forever that I'm just not going to lose my this decade I'm not going to lose so much mm. more of my life to this mm. At this point, I'd love to be able to say something reassuring. <laughs> I would never expect that of you. <laughs> if, you if, if that's what you're waiting for. Uh, no, actually, do you know what, bollocks? Because um, okay. this particular episode, I think, is just that. And I think the the it, it isn't just one particular ray of light in terms of one particular vaccine. There are vaccines now being tested at kind of 94 95% efficacy yeah. all across the fucking globe. We'll be out of this one, I think, this particular pandemic in due course. So it's all about now crossing our fingers that 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 someone somewhere has learned something. <laughs> I guess so. There you go. That was quite reassuring. <laughs> Do you feel it's reassured? Good <laughs> yep great talk guys yeah. hire, hire, hire mark for your next ted talk or whatever yeah, yes very inspiring uh my speeches aren't very good but i am expensive so. <laughs> uh, I love that i am bad at this but on the plus side i also <laughs> cost a lot of money yep you may not have a good time but i will drink a lot <laughs> folks look if if all we've done here is exacerbated your anxieties, I apologize, right? Sincerely. Um, but you press play and this isn't episode one, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're in for when you yep. listen to this podcast. And once again, you got it for another week. Uh, huge thanks for listening. Sincere thanks for listening. You know where we are. Should you wish 
to drop us a review or, 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 or some stars. If you want to share us, if you want to talk about us on Twitter or our new Instagram, you know where we are. So do please reach out and say hi. Uh, if you don't have enough things to grow concerned about, um, <laughs> let us know and we'll hook you up. Yeah, please tell us your anxieties. Tell us what we missed that uh, mm. that uh, we can also share as an anxiety. If we have, if you have an anxiety we haven't thought of to worry about, mm. uh, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of emotional energy to uh, you know devote to more anxieties. So, <laughs> ah, but yes, thanks as always. Just stay spooky, friends. Mm. Goodbye. <laughs>